Hey there, MuggleCast listeners. I am back to inform you of some excellent news. GoDaddy.com is having better deals than ever. For only $3.59 a month for 12 months, you can get GoDaddy.com's economy package. With 250 gigs of bandwidth, 5 gigs of storage, and up to 500 email accounts, you can get your own website up and running with success. And as usual, enter code MUGGLE, that's M-U-G-G-L-E, when you check out. Save an additional 10% on any order. Some restrictions apply. See site for details. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy.com. Today's MuggleCast is also brought to you by Borders. It won't be long before the much-anticipated release of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Do you have your mind made up about where Severus Snape's loyalties lie? Do you think he'll betray Harry and his friends, or will he help them to triumph over he who must not be named? Find out more about this complex character in the hot new book, The Great Snape Debate, available only at Borders. Remember to reserve Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows at Borders to save 40%. Because Voldemort is like a big, bald Mr. Clean, this is MuggleCast episode 92 from May 28th, 2007. I'm not going to lie. This has not been our week. No, it hasn't. We've definitely uh, not. Sorry to start the show off with a couple bumps in the road, but uh, besides it being my birthday, thanks everyone who sent gifts. Grand total of one. Um, it has not been our week, but now I feel like we got a good show planned. Yes. Yeah, we do definitely. I'm I'm really excited because I have a very big announcement on the show this week. What is it? <laughs> It's, uh, well, I don't want to give it away because it's sort of like my teaser into the show. Oh, that's not uh, fair. I, well, my God, I don't want to reveal anything because, um, it's big news. Wow. I'm excited. Yeah. Really? I'm excited to tell you, but I can't tell you yet. Oh. So. oh. Sorry. Mike, uh, you seemed like you were in a good mood earlier. What was that about? I am in a good mood because today is the unofficial start of summer. Memorial Day. Well, not necessarily. Down south, summer started in, like, February, but okay. Um, I actually think my announcement is more exciting than that, Micah. Really? Yeah, I can't say any more, though. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Kevin Steck. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Laura Thompson. And I'm Micah Tannenbaum. Micah Tannenbaum is in the MuggleCast News Center with past week's top Harry Potter news stories. Micah. All right. Thanks, Andrew. Joe Rowling has updated her website with her plans for the release of Book 7. According to Bloomsbury, to celebrate the publication of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows on July 21st, J.K. Rowling will be signing the night away at the Natural History Museum in London. 1,700 fans will have the opportunity to meet J.K. Rowling and have their books signed at the Natural History Museum. The first 500 randomly selected winners will attend the midnight reading with J.K. Rowling, and the signing is expected to last until dawn. 
Tickets to the event are free and were made available by online drawing back on May 23rd. The deadline for applicants is June 11th. To apply for these tickets, be sure to head over to Bloomsbury's website. Tilden, the Swedish Potter publisher, has revealed on their official website that J.K. Rowling has provided an alternative title to Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows in foreign countries. It will now be called Harry Potter and the Relics of Death. The second title was released by Joe and Bloomsbury because the phrase Deathly Hollows is hard to translate. Speaking of Sweden, the book will release there on November 21st and in Germany on October 27th. The Mirror reported on Saturday that initial printing of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows has begun at a GGP print factory in the small town of Postnik, Germany. Reportedly, staff at the factory are searched when entering and leaving the factory each day. Furthermore, they are forced to work in total darkness to prevent them from reading the book. While we already know that security is stricter for this book, this seems to be a rather ridiculous measure. Keep in mind, however, that the mirror is a tabloid. Moving on to movie news, The Scotsman is reporting that Warner Brothers is looking into several locations in Scotland for Half-Blood Prince. Warner Brothers, which is preparing to shoot the six-potter film, has sent an executive to the cliffs and caves around Cape Wrath. The producers are interested in using the caves and cliffs as part of the dramatic climax of the new film. And the BBC reported earlier this week that the world premiere of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix will be held in Japan on June 28th. The Japanese capital was chosen after another highly anticipated sequel, Spider-Man 3, opened there and broke box office records. But a Warner Brothers spokeswoman said there was no special reason for opting to launch the film in Japan. As previously mentioned, the London premiere will take place on July 3rd, and the U.S. premiere will take place in Los Angeles on July 8th. And speaking of the U.S. premiere, Warner Brothers has announced that actors Dan Radcliffe, Emma Watson, and Rupert Grint will all be participating in a hand, foot, and wand ceremony at Grumman's Chinese Theater in Los Angeles, California on July 9th. Finally, the British Board of Film Classification has revealed that the fifth Harry Potter movie will be 138 minutes long. That's 2 hours and 18 minutes. Also, the movie will be rated 12A in the UK and PG-13 here in the U.S. That's all the news for this May 28, 2007 edition of MuggleCast. Back to the show. All right. Thank you, Micah. No problem. You know, Micah, there's been an okay ma- amount of news last week. And know last week we were sort of complaining that there wasn't news. Yeah. It's been great, man. Keeping me busy. Haven't been uh, getting much time away from the news center, to be quite honest with you. You know, that's all right, though. Earlier this week, uh, six new TV spots came out for Order of the Phoenix. WB sort of threw them all on us at once. And did you guys watch these? I caught them on TV. This is the stuff that was on during Survivor Fiji. And is that what you're talking was about? Was it? Yeah. Yeah, I think they're the same ones. I'm just not. I watched all six of them. And I wasn't very impressed. They weren't very um, momentous. They weren't very powerful. They just were. They just were like bland. But I guess when, you know, you're only doing 30 second spots, you can't really. Uh, make much. Saw Draco for the first time. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Uh, Draco's in this movie? Draco's in this movie. Um, No big surprises, though. I mean, there was nothing really special. They just lacked um, power. They they failed to make me want to go see the film just by watching those TV spots, which is what they should be aiming for. Huh. You know? Um, But also this week, uh, on the Ellen DeGeneres show, shown here in the United States, they aired an entire scene. The Umbridge welcoming scene. Where Dumbledore is giving his welcome speech. (laughs) Yeah, me too. I I I was really happy with it. What do you guys think? I was impressed with it. 
exactly as I imagined from the book, which was, it's, it's kind of a rare thing when you consider these movies. You know, whenever you see something that's exactly as it was in the book, it's like, wow, because, you know, so often they're changing things or condensing things. So it was really good so to see they kept her- that intact. Did- does Hermione say, you know, the Ministry will be interfering at Hogwarts? Or what exactly um, sticks through the book? They, was it they just... didn't really get it that far. It was just Umbridge's character and the way she presented herself to the school. And there were actually lines verbatim from the book. Like, you know, how she said... Um, Umbridge's speech isn't really in the book, is it? I mean, it goes, it opens, but then Harry tunes out. Yeah, but the, out, like... the whole theme of it was there, though. And, you oh, know, yeah, the whole yeah, beginning okay. part where she was talking about how she hoped to be good friends with everybody. And they left that whole thing in. And they really had yeah. her talking to everyone as though they were five years old, which was really fantastic. Yeah, it really right. was. I like right. the way she interrupted Dumbledore. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say that was perfect. I really enjoyed that. Michael Gammon was looking pretty good. And there was a little cutscene of uh, the trio. I'm trying to load the clip up again. Oh, Trelawney. <laughs> the look on Trelawney's yeah. face is the best. Yeah, it's awesome. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I love her. It's so good. Um, but, yeah, this is going to be fantastic. I love the shots, too. I mean, it's only it's a very short preview, but it's it's a great it looks like a great scene. Um, and then the Order of the Phoenix running time was confirmed. Two hours and 18 minutes. The shortest film... <laughs> A full five. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. I'm wondering how it's they're the managing shortest. this because it's the longest book. <laughs> <laughs> the shortest, and yet uh, the shortest movie, and yet it still seems like it fits more to the book, perhaps than three or four. Well, well, we'll see. I mean, I mean we've only seen small pictures, small clips. So. Yeah, that's true. It's very true. <laughs> I mean, still, yeah, I it's mean, they, weird. you know, they can make the third Pirates movie three hours long, and that's not even, you know, I mean, they could have condensed that into two and a half hours, I think. So well, you got to think about Harry the production Potter. company too. That wasn't WB, was it? Yeah, that was Disney. Um, I mean, they all, yeah, that's a Disney film. Yeah, it's they Disney. Don't, I mean, they all have, all have their different takes on it. I don't, I, you know, just seeing the seeing the the, the facts. Longest book, shortest film. Yeah, it doesn't make sense immediately, but, you know, maybe they're going to prove us wrong. Well, I think what we need to consider is that they have done a lot of condensing when it comes to certain plot lines. Like, they've completely left out Rita Skeeter. I mean, and that was a huge part of the book. Oh, yeah, definitely. They've left out a lot of that kind of stuff, and I think that they're kind of going to stick to the idea of the Order and Harry's conflict with Umbridge. And when you're thinking about sticking to only those two plot lines, it's not going to be a really long film. That's true. That's yeah, true. true. And hopefully they'll do those parts correctly and they'll be happy with it. So if they can essentially just squeeze off some, um, so, you know, the threads of the plot and hold it and focus on, you know, two of the larger ones or two of the ones that they want to focus on, the other ones can kind of, you know, fall into place. Not necessarily you know, aren't possible by the movie, but just aren't focused on in the, in the movie, you know? So, like, the plots could, potentially, do you think the plots could, like, still be going on, kind of? You, you know, even though they aren't in the movie, or do you reckon that this is actually, WB presents the fifth Harry Potter book, and they totally just don't use some of the stuff? 
Well, you can't like we've really seen before use where they... all those plot lines. You just can't. There's too much to follow in a movie. And I'm yeah, sure that I they're... Con- you're right. I- I'm sure they're considering that they're going to have a lot of little kids going to see these films, and little kids don't like to sit through three-hour I don't hour like movies. that argument. I, oh, that argument I drives me nuts. I totally don't know. Yeah. Micah, it's it true, is true though. Yeah. I mean, it's a true consideration. Not all kids are like that, but when you... It's t- bull true. Well... Let's be. Let's look at Goblet of Fire, which obviously was longer than this film, not by much, but still, why not? Ex, you know, extend it out to at least two and a half hours, like you guys said before. This is the longest book in the series. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, would you would you want them to give it an extra ten or twenty minutes if it really didn't need it? No, 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 no. I mean, if it was tied up well enough. Quality is the most important thing. If if it's two hours and eighteen minutes, and it's quality for those two hours and eighteen minutes, then that's fine. I agree too. I agree. Yeah. Well, With if that. you think about it, ten and twenty minutes is maybe three scenes. Yeah. So it's not gonna make that drastic. Much in yeah. a ten to twenty minute period. That could be enough time for maybe a a remade uh, Rita Skeeter plot, or maybe could a be little enough. more development on the Cho Chang relationship. No, no, it could be enough time to show all of the uh, Mrs. Black scenes with the, with her portrait. Could have been could be enough time yeah, to. But that's a big budget cut, though. I mean, leaving mm. her portrait out of the movie saved them a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, but this is Harry yeah. Potter. What 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 money do they need to save? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, it, that, that's the actual question. This might end up being, and I predict it'll be probably you know the coolest movie. A lot of people will be very happy with it uh, as a movie, as a compilation of the longest book. Even you know, despite how much it leaves out. But at the same point, even though we've always acknowledged that Warner Brothers has no you know they have no they have a commitment to the fans but they don't need to please them they can cut whatever they want to out of the movie if it cuts the budget then that's that's fine they can do that but what i think we're going to see is even though it's two and a half, two hours and 18 minutes long it is the shortest movie i think that is slightly worrying not for any content of the film but i think it's a little bit sad that you know they turn the longest book into the shortest movie, even if it's the best movie yet. And I agree with your quality statement. I think they should have added just a bit more, just so that they could do it, because this is these are supposed to be the movie representations of the book. Yeah, but it's hard to say that without seeing the movie, because like Laura was saying, it's quite possible that they just removed, they just removed like certain plot lines in the book, and the added time wouldn't help the movie at all. No, because if you consider that yeah. the movie's already two hours and 18 minutes, if they tack on another 15, 20 minutes to try and develop another plot line, it's going to be very poorly developed. Well, that's, that's, if, they, that's if the added footage, that's if the added footage is another plot line. Yeah, but they then you're talking about over, you're, then you're talking about overdoing a plot it, yeah. line that already had plenty of explanation. Well, no, what, I, what I mean is adding a plot line as opposed to adding scenes that are good to see but don't actually go either way with the plot. I mean, each movie, obviously, the director wants to add their own you know feel to it so that overall you can see, like in Goblet of Fire, the whole thing had you know an ongoing movement to it. The movie didn't really necessarily stop, or if it did stop, yeah. those were fun scenes too. Um, well, I'm what just do saying you think... adding scenes. Sorry, Andrew. Uh, what, what do you think is WB's main goal? when deciding how long the film is going to be. I don't think it's going to be kids, because I think kids would rather sit through a movie. Um, I think the bigger concern with little, little, littler kids is how scared they might be. Because I was talking to a parent the other day who's not taking their kids, and granted, they're young. They're about three or four, but they're huge fans of Harry Potter. 
um, just based on, you know, seeing other kids dress up as Harry Potter and, and like, the first two movies, which aren't very scary, and even uh, Prisoner of Azkaban. But Order of the Phoenix, this parent was telling me, looks pretty darn scary. And they're right, with the, the, the Voldemort scenes at the end. That's scary. That scares kids. So He's a I big, think... bald Mr. Clean. Yeah, with... It doesn't Talcum matter. On. He's not... Yeah, but... Wow. Just because he's, he doesn't but have a Eric, nose. how old are you? He doesn't have a nose. Okay. Roly-poly-oly looks scarier than that. Because he can't... Roly... Okay, okay. So I can get into the mind of a three-year-old. Okay, but but I, but I used to grow. I grew up watching Eureka's Castle and 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 Nick Jr. Okay, and, and by but well, I, I was a little actually. Nick Jr. was a little bit after my time, but I still watched it. Okay, so don't tell me that kids aren't gonna a you know be in a theater for three hours because if you put them in front of the TV, which is not how children should be raised, but they will sit there for as long as they want to. Now, as far as the scariest scenes, I would like to be sympathetic. And say that you're right, Order of the Phoenix will be a scary movie, and they should cut out, so, or they should at least worry about some of the scariness. Yes, to a degree, I believe you're right as well, but you can't really say that Chamber of Secrets wasn't scary because some people might not like what? spiders. You, you know, yeah. I just. Okay, but or let me basilisk. put it this way. I went and to the go see Shrek was scary. 3. I, I, you I know, went I to would, go Shrek. Actually... Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. All right. I would say I, that I the Basilisk to... was scarier than Voldemort. I don't want to. I don't want to keep cutting you off, Andrew. But I would say that the Basilisk was scarier than Voldemort, and Voldemort's yeah. just done well, you know? That's and Well, the Basilisk was too, but... I, I went to go see Shrek 3 last week with my brother, and uh, towards the end of the movie... Congratulations. That whole... Well, I'm just saying, there was a little kid who got scared at the end of Shrek 3! Shrek 3! And that wasn't scary at all. So what I'm saying is, little kids can get scared easily by these things. However, back to the point, what what is WB's main concern? Micah? WB's main concern is what's ending up in their pocket. After yeah, the exactly. <laughs> Moving along to some other news now. Um, rumor has it that Deathly Hollows is being printed up in Germany. So that means in about another week we're going to be seeing the bets about the outcome of Book 7 and the whole plot's going to be ruined for all of us. <laughs> so I can't wait for that. In the article it said that they were printing the books in the dark. Which yeah. sounds a bit extreme. That can't. I mean, that was, that's it awesome. came from a tabloid. But how can you work? <laughs> in the, I mean, that's that's. I could see. I could understand. They'll have to bring their nightlights. Yeah. Well, I could understand dark lighting, or dim lighting, so that they can't. <laughs> you know, they have a hard time making out some obvious like phrases what, with or each something. other. <laughs> yeah. No, chapter titles. <laughs> chapter titles. Stuff like that. Is it hard to make out? Oh, jeez. Making out. No, the titles. it's really not. If you if you if you find each other, I. <laughs> I was being stupid. Why, Laura, haven't you ever made out in the dark before? Eric, that is not a question we need to be <laughs> asking. Answer, join up the Pickle Pack. Hey, speaking of Pickle Pack, uh, no, we'll get to that announcement in a second. National Wear Your Muggle Cast T-Shirt Day is coming up. Remember last year, June 2nd, Thank God you read your email. It was a great, yeah, it was a great success. Uh, we had tons of people wearing their MuggleCast t-shirts on June 2nd. Everyone took pictures and uh, sent them into MuggleCast, and we posted them on the website. We want you guys to do the same thing again. So on June 2nd, everyone get out and wear your MuggleCast t-shirt with pride, and then send us a picture of you wearing it somewhere outside besides your house, because your house is boring. Yeah, I said it. And we will post it on MuggleCast.com. And we have to, right? Also, all our ho- all the we hosts. acknowledge... No. Yeah, we'll we'll promise that we'll do it this year, and once again, <laughs> not do it. So, I yeah, because you it. guys I didn't do it last year. I did it. <laughs> I, I did it. Mike did. did. Laura did it. I I hung from a tree, upside down. I didn't. With Sorry. My shirt on. Yeah. And I will be happy to do it this year, Andrew. I just need you to send me another shirt. Oh, oh yeah, we can do that. Yeah. I still got plenty of Muggle Cast yeah. here. 
And no, I'm not selling them to anyone. I, every time I say that on the show, I get people emailing me asking, can I have a shirt? No. Contests only. It's illegal. It's illegal. Hey, co-host. Uh, under the table, 50 bucks. Also, this month, uh, June, we're going to start something new. It's nothing big, just a little thing to help us uh, spread the word about the show. It's Global Spread MuggleCast Month. And on MuggleCast.com, we have a new page where you can uh, use some banners and avatars to put in, uh, you know, maybe your forum profiles or your MySpaces, your live journals, your blogs, anything else to help spread the word about MuggleCast. They all have catchy little uh, little phrases on there, like... Uh, uh, I love Harry Potter, I love MuggleCast, or I crave Harry Potter, I crave MuggleCast, I, and there's one more, and then there's some uh, cool banners that you can put. So if you want to help us uh, spread the word about the show, we want to get the word out because we're getting really close to uh, Book 7 and Movie 5, we want to make sure everyone knows about the show because we were, you know, don't you guys think that if a lot of Harry Potter fans that don't know about the show... If they did find out, they'd be pretty interested in hearing what we have to say. I mean, I'm not trying to sound arrogant, I think but, so. you know. No, I th- I think so. I, I, yeah. You know, people, a lot of feedback people like we get the show. from new listeners yeah. is, is yeah. pretty good. So Yeah, now's a great time to try to get the word out. Couldn't get any better timing than this, so visit MuggleCast.com for that. What about new listeners who haven't been able to get a shirt because we weren't allowed to sell them since they started listening? What should they do for MuggleCast shirt day? Well, they could sign up for Pickle Pack, which is the official uh, membership uh, thingy of MuggleCast. Just go to PicklePack.com, create a MuggleNet.com account if you don't already have one, and you can pay $30 to get access to bonus content, audio, bonus MuggleCast audio content, pictures, secret documents, and also a daily video blog by each one of the hosts. So uh, on Monday or Sundays, I post. Mondays, Laura posts. Um, I can't remember Tuesday, the rest. Tuesday, Eric, Jamie, Jamie Wednesday, Scott, Micah, Wednesday. Thursday, Kevin, Friday, sometimes ben, Friday. Saturday, <laughs> Saturday. Mikey B, <laughs> we, yeah, Kev, you know, Kevin, it was just, you know, you, you owe them like four blickles, but your first one, as I yeah. said, I really liked, so. so Mikey was, just uh, joined the crew, too. He's going to be posting video blogs when he can. He just posted uh, a new one last night, and uh, we have some great uh, bonus audio and video content going up, and plus you get a free Pickle Pack t-shirt. Uh, with your order. So visit picklepack.com. You only have until June 16th to become a member, and then uh, we're going to be closing registration for probably forever. So, uh, And I'm not just saying that just to make everyone buy now. I'm actually serious. So <laughs> so, so go, visit picklepack.com today for uh, more details. And all proceeds from Picklepack go to uh, supporting the show. Uh, to make sure that uh, you know we we want to cover all the events going on this summer, and the best way to do that is to raise an ample amount of money, and Pickle Pack is uh, our solution for it. So thanks to everyone who does sign up. Okay, also it's still developing. Yeah, yes. Also vote for us on podcast. Oh, oh, sorry. One more thing about Pickle Pack. This week we added a uh, new member profiles. People can have like their own mini MySpace right there on Pickle Pack with like their favorite MuggleCast episodes, a little picture of themselves, and all that. It's optional. You don't have to if you want to remain. You know, you want you want to keep your identity private. Uh, but you can. Uh, create your own profile so that other Pickle Pack members can get to know you. It's all part of uh, becoming a little community, and people are really enjoying it. Yeah. So, it's been a lot of fun. Um, Alright, so moving on. Uh, don't forget to vote for us on Podcast Alley. And I have a um, big update that I was teasing about in the uh, beginning of the show. <sighs> I lost my notes, of course. Um, 
But earlier this week, I received an email from Prophecy letting me know that I have been accepted to perform at Prophecy. Oh, How geez. awesome is that? Wow. I am going to perform as <laughs> part of... Are they desperate for uh, music acts? Uh, Micah, Micah, come on. I'm it's just kidding. Nice. You know I love you. What are you trying to What are you trying to say? I'm not good. So, so wait, are you going to be introing the show no, the way Alex no, from the Remus no, Lupins no, no. did? They're having a Wizard Rock night where it's like a like a whole like, you know, all the Wizard Rockers are going to be performing one night. <laughs> and I'm a part of this. So, <laughs> so Is your friend going to come and do a backup vocals? No. Is he on the drums? No. You're, you're, you're I can't, on the drums. We don't have the money to fly him out. For more information, visit pickleback.com. Um, but yeah, so um, I'm going to be doing that. I'm very excited about that. I hope you guys are all going to be there. Oh, definitely. Oh, we oh, will. Yeah. I'll be passing uh, out cool. the earplugs. I'm hoping to get some help. From One pair. Backup. <laughs> oh, I get it. It's very funny. I'll be. Uh, so yeah. I'll be performing uh, my first Wizard Rock single. But also, coming next week, I'm going to release my next single which is a spin on the song Bye Bye Bye, which I <laughs> sung a little preview of on that special oh, <laughs> episode of MongoCast where we, uh, where we, uh, you know, the release date was announced and we talked about it. And I sang uh, Bye Bye Bye, Don't Let It Be July. So I made that into a full song. And that single will be premiering here on MongoCast next week, episode 93. So definitely look forward to that. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty good. Dare I say it's better than my last one. So <laughs> you know that woman who uh, writes these books? Didn't she update her site? Yeah, Jakey Wrong. Jakey Wrong. She did. Yeah, she did. Oh yeah. She released Whoa, her plans. We did. For... Oh man, we oh my god, we didn't even. Oh talk my about gosh, that. we suck. <laughs> I completely forgot. See. All right, so yeah, Micah, you got a little update again. Um, Jakey Rowling announced her uh, plans for for the book release. She will be having her event at the Natural History Museum in London. Uh, 1,700 fans will have the opportunity to meet her and have their book signed. Uh, the first 500 randomly selected winners will attend the midnight reading, and the subsequent signing is expected to last until dawn. So all night long, she's going to be signing books. 500 books at least. Right? Or is she signing them for all 1,700? Wow. I think all 1,300. Yeah, 1700. all of them get it signed, oh and then 500 get that reading. Oh, my God. Is she serious? Wow. What are you thinking? Yeah. I would not be the want to that, be the last in way... line. Her handwriting is going to be done by oh the end. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, well, she doesn't need her hands anymore. That's you know? true. That's what it's coming down to. See, they, you know, they said, what, what part, of, what part of your body can you sacrifice? Well, no, what can you sacrifice now that you're not, you don't need to write any Harry Potter books anymore? She's like, I can do signatures. You know, we're not going to this, so we really can't get that excited. You know, it'll be oh, a fun event for I'm anyone going. who attends. She asked me to Are sign the second half. I'm of totally the books going, for dude. Her. <laughs> I'm just bringing a, I'm just bringing a stamp with her signature on it. I'm just going to stamp all the books. Oh, okay. As yeah. they go through, that's dude. That's what those people did to eBay, and you saw what she did to them. So, so, you know. so apparently, Joe really did want to do this. She said on her site that I'm, I'm delighted that we are launching the book in this way. It will be wonderful for me to get the chance to speak to people who have already read a few chapters while in the queue. Uh, so I think I that mean, would I be pretty stressful being one of those people. That I'd, I'd be afraid if something bad happens and you know they're reading it and then they go to meet jokes. And yeah. someone spoils yeah, it. Yeah, that's my biggest. Yeah, well, that's not only spoiling it's like spoiling the pressure it. of having to yes. read the book while waiting for a signature from Joe herself. You know, but could you imagine though? Could from you imagine Joe, though reading yeah. it while waiting in line to? I wouldn't be able to stay focused yeah, on no the book. Kidding. I'd be like, man, I'm meeting her, and, you know, and 
you know, and you'll actually get to tell her what you think of the book so far, which is amazing in itself. We know Joe loves the fans. Joe totally does like doing these things with the fans. It's not that she's been in, you know, seclusion um, since she, you know, since she's had her kids and writing these books, but she does like doing things for the fans, and that's always been apparent. So, Joe, we're really excited that you're doing this because it will be cool for everyone who's able to go. Because we do know that you try and really do stuff for us fans, so yeah. we thank you. Uh, and by the way, if you want to be on MuggleCast, you're more than welcome. Uh, I don't know. See, she's one of those and, people I'm not you know, too sure about Just to talk about gone. the book. Uh, you know, yeah. I think she'd give out too many spoilers. Guys, what, what, if, what if she came on MuggleCast one week? We would be, we'd all be silent. Even I would <laughs> no, be silent. Wouldn't. I'd be no, like, holy oh, crap, what could I Joe, possibly do for about five show. seconds? And then I'd think of a question. You would be silent <laughs> because I would keep you muted. <laughs> um, I would not be able to ask her a question. No, no, you just one, just one. No, that, that I totally, I totally be like, uh, I totally be like, Joe, do you visit the caption conference? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes I wonder if she does listen to the show. We, I, I think she does. I think she does. We don't so. know. We just, I hope she listens to good episodes. Yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'd be fair to say she doesn't. That's the second hope, it'd, Laura. It'd be fair to say she doesn't listen to every episode because uh, obviously she has better things to do with her life. But you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if she if we did hear that hint hint that uh, she did listen to a few episodes just to see what the heck we're doing here. Because this is a you know, this is. Yeah, this is pioneering. This is. I mean, we've got, we've got. I mean, there are there are a large amount of Harry Potter podcasts. This is like out a book. There, this is I like mean, a free I book. Think a free audio book. This is a free book. It's literary discussion for a year and yeah. a half, two yeah, years. It is. So. Yeah, so I'm I'm sure she's listened, which is pretty cool. Um, but you know, any nodgent would be uh, pretty cool. But it could have been a bad episode. She could have said that Eric kid talks so freaking much. I just you know this show is sometimes, crap, and I could have spoiled it, <laughs> yeah. ruined it for you guys. So I want to apologize in advance if she says that on her site that I listened once. I don't but think she Eric would just say wouldn't be quiet. Sometimes I think no, it's, no. It, it would be a good idea to start spreading rumors about her here on the show to sort of get her attention and you know have her mention us. I don't think she would appreciate that. Yeah, maybe that should that? Her. Um, I yeah, you for don't some think reason. That? No, I think she'd be really? pretty uh, angry. Yeah. I thought that would be, you know. Yeah, if – well, what if we were to get a British woman <laughs> to, like, pretend to be JKR and, and, and we bring her on and she's, you know, hi. Yeah. And, and, and so what do you think when you – you know, that would have been an added cool thing to have done for April Fool's. So why did you kill Harry and then have this woman respond? <laughs> yeah, but well – that that that's just it's, um, afterthoughts, yeah, you know. Well, we, we hope she does listen and we hope she enjoys the show. So – Joe, email us. Okay. So, moving on, let's get to some rebuttals now. Uh, the first one comes from uh, J.K. Rowling, uh, 42 of Edinburgh. No one finds that funny? <laughs> yeah, uh, if you listen to the show, get it. Rebuttal. Oh, come on. <laughs> okay. Shelby, actually, in response to a comment made in episode 91, Northern Lights, re-entitled The Golden Compass, was not released in March of this year. It was actually released in 1995. The second, Subtle Knife, was released in 1997, and the third, Amber Spyglass, in 2000. A lot of fans of these books, like Harry Potter, were hounded, hounding Pullman to release them, and a few had midnight parties for release as well. If you haven't read these books yet, I recommend make your summer. I recommend they make your summer reading list. I can hardly read today. I've been an avid 
Harry Potter fan since I was 11, but I only recently discovered these books this past semester when I took the Harry Potter's library class at K-State. The class covered many books that Rowling had been influenced by and that she had has been compared to, including his Dark Materials trilogy. While second to Harry Potter, in my opinion, it is excellent, and I recommend it to anyone who is looking for a great series to read after the Harry Potter books. You know, I have a confession to make. Um, I don't remember who it was who said that um, that book came out this Me. year, but I knew I knew they were wrong. I knew you were wrong. <laughs> I just, I just oh, didn't oh, say anything. What a nice <laughs> story. Too lazy. Oh, that's not nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I have read the, I have read his Dark Materials, to, yeah. and it, it's a very, very good trilogy. I love those books, and just for some reason, it didn't even. The reason that to... I said that was because I looked right there, and it said it was published in 2007. But maybe that was just a revision or like a, a, a new edition. Probably. Like I don't know. It said March maybe. 2007. So. Well, wait, Laura and Kevin, if I recall appropriately, around episode 20-something, you and Laura and Kevin, both of you were going to review yeah, these books, yeah. weren't you? Yeah, when we were going to do the book reviews. Ginger18 from Virginia writes in, she says, Hi, MuggleCast hosts. I was just wasting time on the internet, and I was checking out the Bloomsbury website. I clicked on the section, SWAT up on Potter, and entered the Hogwarts Express. Outside the window is the building from the back of the DH cover, and when you click on it, it pops up. With the title Hogwarts Staff. From that, I guess we can be sure it's Hogwarts. Thank you for your time, and I love the show, Ginger. So that uh, pretty much confirms it. Yeah, I guess that Which makes sense, it, yeah. because I'm pretty yeah. sure I said on the episode that we were discussing this that uh, the moonlight was casting a glow on Hogwarts. That's why it was icy. Yeah. It wasn't like a different But it wasn't school. made of ice, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I was right, as usual, uh, except for that last <laughs> rebuttal. <laughs> Yeah, really. <laughs> uh, Laura, you want to do the next one? Yeah, sure. This comes from Shruti. Um, don't get That's mad nice if I pronounce I like that, that wrong. Shruti. Yeah, seventeen from <laughs> from Austria. Um, Vienna's beautiful. I think it's a she. Anyway, she says, "Hey, I love listening to your show, and you guys do a great job." Last night, I came up with another theory about the symbol on the spine of the UK children's edition. And before I say anything, I'm sorry if somebody's already thought of this. I believe that the symbol represents Voldemort's soul. Each component of the symbol represents the number of times he split his soul in order to become immortal. If you count the number of geometrical figures, you can see that there are six, the exact number of times Voldemort split his soul according to HP6. If you look closely, you will see that there are six shapes. The entire circle, the entire triangle, the two halves of the circle, and the three parts of the triangle that are outside the circle. What do you guys think? I would love to hear back from you about this theory, and I hope you understand what I'm getting at. I don't know what she's getting at exactly, yeah. but that is a pretty interesting uh, take. So she's saying each one of the horcruxes could be a part of that symbol. She, yeah, she's saying that the symbol could represent the different horcruxes, basically. I think it's important to think of the horcruxes as a function of the number seven as opposed to the symbol being you know, relating to the Horcruxes. Horcruxes relate to the number seven. The number of Horcruxes Voldemort have relate to the number seven. If this symbol had six or seven, you know, pieces to it, sort of, then it would, you know, be cool, possible, but um, I'm not sure. Hmm. But, um, I mean, could each of those shapes in the symbol, each of those six shapes represent something? America Online? Yeah. <laughs> no. It's a new symbol. This is, this is the fourth Micah, podcast. Any thoughts? I, no, I mean, you know, I think it's definitely possible. But like I've said previously, we we really don't know where the symbol is coming from. Like any reference, 
I mean, it could be a rune, but we don't know enough about runes to actually make an analysis of it. So it could be anything as far as I'm concerned. Right. I think it's safe to say that this symbol could relate to the Horcruxes just because we've recently found out what the Swedish translation of Deathly Hallows is, which is a great transition into our main discussion, right, Andrew? Horcruxes! What? Um, earlier this week... Oh, Micah, you're surprised? We've Did never not? discussed that on this show before. <laughs> the Swedish translation of uh, Deathly Hollows is not actually Deathly Hollows. It's actually uh, Relics of Death. And it turns out, as reported by the Swedish publisher, that J.K. Rowling released this alternative title because Deathly Hollows is too hard to translate without first reading the book. So this basically answers what the Deathly Hollows are. The Relics of the Death. The Horcruxes. The Relics of Death. Which... Equal the horror crisis. Uh, um, so after I made this post on MangoNet, I sort of did a search on my Gmail for any anyone talking about the the relics, and um, I came up with this email from Jal24 of Anderson, Indiana. It's kind of a long email, but it's very well thought out. Um, she writes, "I read recently on the internet that one meaning of hollows refers to relics of gods, kings, etc. But over time, the relics themselves are not considered the hollows, but the gods or person of importance is considered the hollow. But in fact, the relic or possession is what the true definition. But these relics are so associated with the person that the person is considered this. This brings me to the, this brings me to my point. People have made many theories that the deathly hollows are the Horcruxes themselves, and I believe this to be true, and this is why. Voldemort." wants to become immortal. We all know this. But what is the main characteristic of a god? Well, the top thing that pops into my head is that they are immortal. These relics, or horcruxes, are the actual hollows, but also directly refer to Voldemort himself, as a piece of his soul is in each one, which would give meaning to the theory of a god actually being in the hollow. It would give a literal sense to this definition of the word in its own unique way. Although most of the horcruxes are probably inanimate objects, they are all, in a way, Voldemort and alive. Now you bring the word deathly into the fray. Just look what the ring did to just look what the ring did to Voldemort's hand. <clears throat> Throughout the Half Blood Prince, it never seemed to get better. Perhaps only Gregory, perhaps only Gregory House could make a diagnosis of what was eating his hand and turning it black. But I think that over time, that it could have taken Dumbledore's life or anyone else's. Perhaps the only reason Dumbledore survived as long as he did is because he knew enough counter magic to stop the infestation of guarded magic on the ring to keep from killing him. Yet he himself couldn't even cure his hand all the way. We all saw all what Dumbledore had to do to get the fake lock at Horcrux. He could have easily died if Harry had not been there. We don't know what would have happened. We only know it was a deathly situation. If one thing is for sure, the spell on the ring and the way to obtain the locket were of a deathly manner, and these inanimate objects could easily be referred to as relics. Deathly relics, deathly hollows. Still following me? I knew you would be. <laughs> Most people believe that to destroy any remaining horcruxes, Harry's life will be put in many dangers, and either to obtain to destroy the soul itself in each horcrux, I think, explains deathly hollows. Perhaps this is all oversimplified, and we should expect something bigger, or to be surprised what hollows really means. But if book six and seven are supposed to be more of a two-part series, like I've heard JKR say, and the word Horcrux officially came into play in the sixth book, it makes more than perfect sense to me that one of these two books actually be referring to, actually is referring to Horcruxes as they are the main theme in the last book, presumably in the seventh book. It's hard for me to believe that the title isn't directly pointing towards yeah, Horcruxes. Like, yeah. I think this is a great email. Very well yeah, said. I really, yeah. It, it makes perfect sense. 
Deathly Horcruxes. The Horcruxes are definitely. And that said, they've pretty much uh, taken the discussion for us. Well, it's uh, a great way so to start it off because it, this week's it nails... main discussion was brought to you by Joe. <laughs> it basically nails everything. But Laura, there's more that uh, you sort of came up to discuss. Yeah, I do have to say that I love the house reference. By the way, I'm a big fan of house. Yeah, we're I not talking about I didn't, I didn't get it, but I pretended to know you don't, what you was don't going matter. on. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so we know that the Swedish title is Harry Potter and the Relics of Death, and I think we've pretty much established that that confirms that the Deathly Hallows are Voldemort's Horcruxes. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, whenever I looked up a definition of relic said that it was an object surviving from an earlier time, especially one of historical or sentimental interest, which, again, makes the theory more concrete, I think, just because of the word sentimental. Yeah. Because all of the objects Voldemort would choose would be items that were sentimental to him. No? Right. Yep. That's in context, yeah. What determines a relic and an antique? If it's an object surviving from an earlier time, how much earlier does it have to be? What's the difference between a relic and an antique? Well, obviously, a relic has religious or sentimental uh, significance, do you reckon? Or is there just, you know, confusion there with uh, the words? Well, what I was interested about is um, how much we can flex that definition of a relic. How, When you talk about an earlier time, what exactly is an earlier time in these books? Is it something ancient, like from the time of the founders? Yeah. Or can an earlier time be the first war, for instance? But it does have to do with a founder or a deity or an entity of some sort. As Jao said to us, uh, some kind of deity or god or immortal being the hallow, uh, placing oneself or, or the relic actually is considered part of that person, if I read that correctly. Yeah, but what I'm saying is from this definition, can we kind of determine what time period – the yeah. relics would come no, from. No, I think it's a good idea. I think that the time frame I would pick would probably be from the founders because that's what we're still left to sort of explore as far as the remaining Horcruxes. We know about the cup. We know something of Ravenclaws and possibly something of Gryffindor. So uh, that would make perfect sense to me that we would be talking about a time period where these founders existed and items of their possession is what Harry would probably have to look for. And Is it possible, though, that Dumbledore was maybe a little off? Like, maybe there are a couple of items from the Founders, well, but not necessarily? I was just going to say that that's, why, that's the direction Dumbledore was pointing Harry in, so that's why I'm accepting it as pretty much on the right track. But that doesn't mean that all of Voldemort's Horcruxes are relics. I mean, if you say Dumbledore told Harry that Nagini was probably well, a Horcrux. Well, they're, they're relics to him. Yeah, though. I was just Not necessarily that. something well, that you would consider Nagini's treasure. Nagini's not even a no, relic, well, no, necessarily. Not true. Nagini is a reminder of his... No, no, Nagini's a reminder of his heritage, but not a relic. Well, and not even a relic to him, Well, he had Gaunt's ring. The diary was just a that reminder was that he had once... Important to him. Well, the diary wasn't a relic. Yeah. It wasn't a special diary. But, he bought well, it out no, of... Hold on, relic. So it was special, though, hold because on. he poured his soul into right. it. Yeah, but he yeah. made it into it a says of sentimental interest. Oh, the diary was okay. of sentimental interest, so could be Nagini. Yeah. And Nagini is definitely Okay, a, okay. Yeah. So but that's that's obviously a very contemporary relic. Well that's why it or says historical piece. or sentimental. So, so why did you mention about it being ah, okay, historical or sentimental. So I think then if you use both of those descriptions, you can fit all of the remaining Horcrux possibilities into either of those categories. Okay, but I'm saying, you know, when Lara was about to question if if all the Horcruxes were relics of the founders, you know, with well, the I mean, and the diary, the, they're I mean, obviously the very living, ones. very current. Well, okay. But that doesn't mean, we don't. they don't have to be. Well, I, look, I found something somewhat interesting, and it 
it does seem to be kind of a stretch, but I was, you know, going through, I was actually at dictionary.com and I was looking up all of these new wonderful words that we've been given recently. Relics. And, you know, just, just, yeah. and relics. I learned a new word today. But anyway, um, I was thinking about horcruxes and I was kind of wondering why exactly Joe chose this word and what um, the meanings were behind it. And so I kind of broke down the word. And when I typed in H O R, um, whore. whore. <laughs> what, what word is that? Whore? whore. What? When H-O-R. I typed that in, I didn't get an answer, but it was refer- it referenced me to a couple of other entries. And I got horology, which sounds really bad. <laughs> to all you children it's listening, actually, H-O-R. Go on, yeah. whore. <laughs> it's the study of interest in time. Which interested me because if Voldemort is... Um, wanting to be immortal, then obviously he's going to be very interested in time. Right. Or surviving time. Lasting throughout all time. Do you think that there's more to that um, choice of word or choice of wording than um, just kind of Voldemort's motivation? Or do you think that we're actually going to find out he's been messing around with say time or maybe he's been using a time turner or something? Well, I think it's also important to decide what crux means in terms of horcrux. Uh, you sort of have a definition here. Can literally be across well, a vital, basic, decisive, or pivotal point. So, like a, a point in time, or, a cro- or crossing time, crossing, crossing time? time. Well, I think. Well, something else that interested me hmm. was a crux was also listed as something that torments by its puzzling nature or a perplexing difficulty. <laughs> so, like Sudoku should be called <laughs> Sucrux. <laughs> Anyway, I'm I'm out. That was well, my last stupid uh, line. I have to leave. I'm just leaving the show. Do you think he would call it a whore crux to 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 imply no, wait, that wait, they're wait, confusing? Wait. It's Dude, important to remember that Voldemort didn't name. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Remember, he was asking Slughorn about them oh. in his defense against the Dark. Well, really, class. I mean, J.K. Rowling came up with the term. It was a it was a pre yeah it was a pre-established. <laughs> form of magic okay well in that case whoever came up with them were 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 they trying to imply that it was confusing or could it be i mean you know it could be a few things on purpose yeah but i don't think it had to do with time necessarily because maybe there's something involved in time with the incantation or whatever spell you have to cast but just seems as though it's a long stretch to say that the person who initially thought of it had the same goal in mind as maybe maybe time it's is embedded in the word just for the fact that it can prolong your time or yeah it relates right. to time yeah could it be the time at which this torment is occurring sort of yeah, the ripping the... of the soul that takes place yeah but we're talking about being immortal which relates to time Timeless. What if a Horcrux each represents a point in time where he his soul is saved? Uh, I, that's a little bit of a stretch, but well, we know that time definitely has to play into the meaning somehow. I mean, just because even if he's not necessarily experimenting with time, he's trying to sort of utilize this very horrible magic to keep him alive throughout all time. So it's got to relate somehow. But I was interested when Kevin brought up the idea of um, using a spell 
to encase the the part of the piece of the soul inside of an inanimate object. Uh, because when you read um, Half Blood Prince, Tom Riddle says, "Encase, but how?" And then Slughorn says, "There is a spell. Do not ask me. I don't know." What interested me about this was everything related to Horcruxes is negative. I mean, to develop a Horcrux, you have to kill somebody, and therefore you split your soul. Uh, Slughorn even said that that was against nature. So why is it that it's a spell? Because spells aren't necessarily associated with doing anything bad. That's usually curses. Yeah, but but see, the thing is, though, Where's that Joe when we it, meet her? the way I think of it, it's splitting <laughs> your soul, but the spell itself doesn't split your soul. The act of murdering someone does. And it's and it's right. the the curse does exactly the so it's capturing the fragment soul. that's already been created. Well, then, in my mind, is it, the spell is the spell that's used to encase the soul inside of the inanimate object? Is it a spell that was specifically created to aid someone in the making of a Horcrux, or is it a common spell that people use every day? You're going deep because I would think that no, I, because <laughs> I would think it's a special spell. I would think it's a very specific. Well, then spell. wouldn't it be but, evil because it's being it's specifically used to? Yeah, but at least my view of a curse is something that you cast to do something harmful to another. But what I'm saying is that the act of killing someone fragments your soul, so that's the curse. And then you use a spell to take that fragment and put it into an object. Right, you're you're casting a spell. Yeah, I, mean, I guess because you're not but... harming you're not harming someone with the spell. You're if anyone you're harming yourself. Yeah, but it's also allowing you to take advantage of the fact that you just killed somebody. True, but I I think it's like a fine line. I don't know. Lost. How exactly do you? <laughs> How exactly? Do you think that the whole encasing process happens? Like, this is something that's always interesting. How it's me. made? Do you have to have... Yeah, how do you do it? Like, does the actual object have to be in the room? Or does it have to be something that you're thinking of? I would think it would have to be in the room or something that you're at least in contact with. Um, what The way I always imagined it happening, at, at least my mind, was like a pensive, except with the soul. Instead of... In like pulling out a part of your thoughts, you're pulling out a part of your soul. But at least in that, I guess, uh, view of things, you would have to be in direct contact with whatever you're putting it in in order to actually, you know, physically put yeah. it in the object. And what happens if you don't encase it? Because the way that Slughorn was sort of describing it, it sounds like when you kill somebody, it automatically rips part of your soul from your body. Yeah. What happens to that if you don't place it inside of anything? Does it go away? I would think it... Does it, like, I, I would, fly off somewhere? I would say it, it's lost. Because it would make sense, wouldn't it, if you're damaging part of yourself by actually committing murder. How are you yeah. damaging yourself? You are ripping a piece of your soul out. And I would think that it just goes away. It, literally ceases to exist so the damage you've done is permanent well that makes sense because you gotta think about people in the wizarding world who are killing other people you know what what's happening to their souls their, their split souls they're not that's turning that's very into interesting horcruxes. because 
I mean, you look at characters like Bellatrix who are clearly deranged. And I mean, maybe that's the what more. happens is you lose your soul. You you just become worse and worse. And Which is sort of true even Yeah. I mean, even in our real a, world it and see, seems what's, fitting. What's almost contradictory about that is yeah, you are paying the price by losing a piece of your soul, but it seems like the more and more these people do horrible things, the, the more desensitized they become, and they keep doing it at increased levels. So ha- it's not helping anybody that they're losing their morality, you know, their morals. Right. And- but say one of the members of the Order killed a, in a Death Eater, would it rip their soul? I mean, what if they were doing it in <gasps> See, defense? I don't yeah, think so. That's hard. Because... because there's like a fine line between murder and like just killing you know what i mean when you say murder it typically means like the spiteful act of actually killing someone that does not need to be done it's not in self-defense it's not in protection of anyone you are killing them just for the fun of it and i think that aspect of well maybe not just for the fun of it but i think that aspect of it is the part that damages your soul if you are if you are protecting someone or you're protecting yourself and you end up killing someone i don't see how that would affect your character or your soul because you've done nothing to it was there was nothing angry or you know there wasn't nece- there was purpose behind the killing you were trying to protect yourself whereas what Voldemort does and what Bellatrix does is without purpose. Do you think Snape lost part of his soul when he killed Dumbledore? Depends if he was... Why wouldn't he? It's hard. That depends on the the circumstances behind the killing. Yeah, but I mean, how much... I mean, the thing is, it's not like... It's not like the magic that... Or, you know, whatever force in the wizarding world that causes that to happen has any sort of sense to know when something like that was pre-planned like do you get where i'm going like even if dumbledore told snape to do it he was still doing something that didn't need to be done yeah but also do you think do do you think if dumbledore told him to do it do you think he enjoyed it no snape but my point is is do you think there's maybe some there's some um Connection. There's, like maybe if well, you enjoy not only the enjoy killing, it, but there's some connection between the purpose of the killing and whether your soul is damaged. Meaning, if he knew that he had so, to kill Dumbledore with Dumbledore's permission, um, or Harry would die and therefore destroy all hopes of Voldemort ever being defeated, right? Do you think that that purpose? would have spared him the damage it might have done, you know? Yeah, I mean, I guess it could, but then that brings me to the question, would Draco have been spared that damage? Because by killing Dumbledore, he would have saved himself and his family. Yeah, but he's killing him with malicious intent, which I think... I don't think he was, though, because he faltered. Well, he faltered. It shows could, his true character. Clearly... He never would have killed him. That's the whole point. Yeah, but had he killed him... Well, had he killed him, there would have been, been malicious spared. intent behind it. You know? I don't think so. I would have seen it as more of a pressured killing. He, I don't yeah. think he ever would have had the ability inside yeah, of him to cast right. that curse. I don't think there's any question about that. 
I don't think so either, but I'm speaking I think that it would have damaged him, absolutely. At least in my mind, he would have been doing it for... For a malicious reason, even well, if it wasn't for his one, intent. For a malicious and selfish reason. I mean, it was saving his own yeah. butt. Yeah, that's true. He, I mean, he was there to save him and his family, but him and his family got themselves into that situation. So the honorable thing to do would be to join the other side and try to salvage it. But the whole reason he was in that situation is he chose not to. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm not sure if you guys... I think that it was in an email. Um, they were saying that it's interesting that the title was... What was it? Deathly Relics? Is it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Relics of Death. Relics of Death. Relics of Death. Um, you, Some people have been wondering whether the relics of death are not only referring to the horcruxes but also to the fact that people die over them that is people die in their um discovery or in the quest to find them oh that's so, true so it's a, it's instead of saying harry potter and the horcruxes it's just <laughs> fancy way it's of saying more horcruxes. of an encompassing right. so, exactly title. because you think of the horcruxes and how mu- how much trouble is going to be you know made because of them and what people are going to do to get them at, in order to kill Voldemort and you wonder who those people are and what's going to happen them, to them in the quest to find them the the horcruxes says well I remember this was back a few shows one of the things that I had mentioned is that if you look at the horcruxes that have been destroyed so far you know they've cost people their lives I mean we're that's under the assumption that RAB destroyed the locket he's now dead and even if you read his letter it, he was under the assumption I think that he was going to die as a result of what he was doing you know Dumbledore died or at least looked like he was dying um with his whole black hand which is what you were bringing up earlier so is it that thing that's going to happen down the line where people are going to die in order for these horcruxes to be destroyed you know was Dumbledore doomed from the beginning of Half-Blood Prince I think you know if you look at his hand he was on his way well before he drank that potion yeah I think so too oh yeah I, I think that too and you'll actually find it as a theme that when the when a character is mutilated in some form they tend to die you right. you see it in even uh, recent ex- sooner rather than later. <laughs> you mean what do you mean? What what was that you broke up? Sooner when when you see oh yeah what did you when say? you see a character mutilated um yeah, sooner rather than later you're absolutely correct yeah yeah so yeah. um okay. they're going to die before the story is resolved. Oh, so, okay. All right. So in that sense alone, I think Dumbledore was fated to. Die, you know. Yeah, I think he was doomed from the beginning of that book. Well, mm-hmm. what if it on the other side you're saying relics of death? What if they're just the items uh, of the people who were killed in order to make them, and as opposed to people dying in order to destroy the, them? That's also a possibility. Yeah, as we can see by discussing this, there's multiple uh, things it could be. It's just like Half Blood Prince, who was like the Prince of the Half Bloods, or the the what was the other one? Uh, literal, literal half-blood prince. Yeah. yeah. So 
Hmm, well, there you go. All right, well, good stuff. As always, if you guys want to email in your rebuttals for that main discussion, you can always email MuggleCast <laughs> at staff.mugglecast. No, it's not Guys, it's 12.41 a.m., <laughs> and uh, now we know what it's like when Jamie complains about recording this late at night. I don't. Now I can understand. Uh, let's wrap the show up today with uh, Chicken Soup for the MuggleCast Soul Finals Edition. First one comes from Janae, 18 of uh, California. She writes, right now, well, not exactly right now, I am studying for a final exam. I am just finishing up my first year of college, and in my philosophy class, I have a major paper due to due tomorrow, and I have my final. I can never find the right way to study in that the TV is too distracting, and with music, I end up dancing around and singing. So today, for a change, I decided to listen to MuggleCast, and I'm really able to focus better, and it's entertaining while I go through all my boring philosophy notes. It worked out. Because I had been so busy, there were a few episodes that I had downloaded but never got to listen to, and now I have. Smiles! Well, hopefully I get an A with MuggleCast. Mm, yeah. Wink. Thanks always, Janae. So that's good. Um, yeah, what, what, like, when you guys study, do you, do you use, uh, music, or? Yeah, I, I typically yeah. listen to music. TV. Yeah. Although I don't study much. Yeah. <laughs> What kind though? Because that that plays a big role too. I'm a, I listen yeah, to jazz when I study. I don't study anymore. Um. <laughs> Mike, when you did at Syracuse, music. Um, I don't know how you could study with the TV on. I no, think yeah, really TV is way too distracting. I don't know. Janae needs to turn that off. That might help. First of all, <laughs> and um, podcasts. I like oh, instrumental yeah, like, music. Uh, classical. Like, yep, absolutely. Classical and yeah, and yeah. movie soundtracks. Well, Andrew, yeah. when I was in I college, was in I'm not it's quite sure that podcasts were a big thing. So it's how ancient you are, Micah. I know. <laughs> it's only two years ago. That's it's a long, that long time, Micah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I listen to jazz and it's very helpful, but we're glad MuggleCast uh, helps her. I could not listen to a podcast yeah. and study at the same time. Hopefully That's she like did TV. well. Yeah. The second one comes from Elizabeth, 15, of Oklahoma. She says, I was pleased to receive an A on an English paper I recently wrote relating Dickens' Great Expectation to the Harry Potter series. I thought this was a great time to send in a chicken soup I've been meaning to for a while. I've been listening to MuggleCast for a little over a year, and besides being amazing and fun to listen to, listening to you all analyzing Harry Potter every week has made a significant difference in my skills in English class. I now have a better eye for symbols, clues, and picking up themes when reading novels. I wanted to thank you all for the great job you do on MuggleCast and wanted to let you know you are helping people in even more ways than you met, which is the point of all chicken soups, I guess, right? Anyways, I'm also a Pickle Pack member, and all MuggleCast listeners slash non-PIPA members should know the $30 is so worth it. Okay, is it PIPA or PIPA? It's PIPA. PIPA. I like like PIPA. No, but you gotta gotta abbreviate it how you pronounce the real phrase. So P, Pickle, P, PIPA. You don't don't say Puck. No, no, no. No, we're just discussing it. Pip, Pipa. You don't say Pipa. Pipa. I like Pipa. Oh, uh, well, you can stick the Pipa up your Pipa. Okay. <laughs> it's too late. Hey, uh, uh, <laughs> so that just about wraps up today's show. We want to remind everyone about our contact information. Laura, what's the P.O. Box? Our new P.O. Box is P.O. Box 3151, Cumming, Georgia, 30028. That's coming spelled C-U-M-M-I-N-G. 
All right, and uh, anyone else could also send in a, a voicemail question. To do that, you can dial any one of our MuggleCast phone numbers. If you're in the United States, you can dial one two one eight twenty magic If you're in the United Kingdom, you can dial 020-814-0677. And you're, if you're in Australia, you can dial 02-8003-5668. You can also Skype the username MuggleCast just for you to leave your message under uh, about a minute long. And uh, you can also use the handy feedback form on MuggleCast.com to contact any one of us, or you can always use our first name at staff.mugglenet.com. Uh, don't forget our community outlets. You got the MySpace, you got the Facebook, you got the YouTube uh, group, uh, the Frapper Map, Last FM, the fan listing, and the forums. You can also dig us at dig.com, vote for us once a month at Podcast Alley, and rate and review us on Yahoo Podcasts. I think that's everything. Every every week, I'm always like, nah, I think that's it. I don't really know. <laughs> I had an idea really quick. What? What? Um, what about the first person to send something to the new P.O. Box gets a shirt? What do you think? First thing we get in the P.O. Box. Ooh, sure. okay. Well, I, all right. All right, sounds good. I am sending that <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> like it's got a head start. Once again, uh, thank you everyone for listening. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Kevin Steck. I'm Laura Thompson. And I'm Micah Tannenbaum. We have no idea where Eric's goal went. We'll see everyone next week for episode 93. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.